welcome everybody to another episode of the Cybersecurity Chronicles. Glad you're listening today. Today we are joined by Jake Charon, who is a commercial risk architect with Lakeside Insurance out of Colorado. And today we're going to talk about cyber insurance, cyber liability coverage. Good afternoon, Jake. Good afternoon, Sean. Thank you for having me on today. I'm looking forward to our conversations. Yeah. And I'm also joined here today by Stanley Lee, CEO and founder of NetSwitch. So, uh, Jake, let's start you off with the softball of softballs. What is cyber liability insurance? Well, I'm glad you kind of bring that up before we <laughs> dive. <laughs> glad you bring that up before we dive into too much of the topic. So, just a general overview of cyber liability coverage. Um, it's to protect a business. Uh, from any type of data breaches, any type of personally identifiable information that they're holding on for their clients or for themselves that could potentially be breached, any type of invoice manipulation, a fraudulent transfer of funds, a social engineering claim. Cyber liability has a lot of different coverages built into it. It's not your simple insurance policy uh, like an auto policy or like a home insurance policy. You really have to read into the wordings and get into the details to truly understand what are they actually covering me for and what do I want to be covered for. This sounds like a lot more than when they first approached me years ago with a, with that thing when I was running a business. It was really just about data protection at the time. It's really expanded out to a lot of different things. Absolutely, yeah. And, and as ransomware and all these other kind of pieces have, have come to the industry, so have the cyber liability policies kind of changed with them. Yeah. So why should an executive consider having a cyber li liability policy and is it worth it? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question in two parts. Um, so the first part, why should an executive want to have cyber liability coverage for their business? Um, and to answer that, there's a couple different ways to look at it in a couple different pieces. So um, every state has different regulations for reporting a breach, um, storing data, and making sure that you're doing the correct things as a business and not being negligent in the way that you're holding on to certain data, whether it's sending different types of funds as well. Um, so looking at it from a business perspective, you can have every cybersecurity control that you have in place as a business, the multi-factor authentication, the endpoint detect response, any type of backups, whether it's monthly, weekly, daily, or every second. But if your endpoint user is not trained or clicks the wrong link and is not protecting the business and looking at it the way that an owner looks at a business, the cyber insurance policy is a last line of defense, and it can protect you in a way that the business might not have seen possible. Um, and a lot of these cyber insurance companies have evolved in the last couple of years to not just being underwriters, but also to having forensic teams, data analysts, uh, data engineers that can come in and understand how did a claim happen, where did it get in, and how did it get out and really understanding and looking at your business from a different perspective with the intangible assets, not just the tangible assets. So sort of touching on that, Jake, you know, the trend has in the industry 
has been to evolve as the cyber threats have evolved. Um, so where is, where's the trend right now? What's sort of the focus and, and has it become more difficult to get cyber coverage? Yeah. So looking at that question from a couple of different points of view, it has been harder for certain businesses and certain industries to obtain cyber insurance coverage because the requirements, like you mentioned, are changing. And it's sadly a reactive industry right now rather than a proactive industry because we're seeing some of these solar winds and the Log4j uh, issues coming in. And it's not until an issue has arised that the cyber insurance industry combats that. But the way that the cyber insurance industry is growing and changing is by using network scans. And some of the pieces I touched on earlier with having these data scientists come in, because it's hard to look at actuarial data when we've only had actuarial data for the 25 years that cyber insurance has been alive. And so looking at it from different perspectives and running external scans and having much more lengthy applications that actually require maybe not just a business owner, but now it's our in-house IT or the third-party IT company to answer the questions because nine times out of 10, most businesses don't really know everything that they have and they just use a trusted party such as NetSwitch or any other IT provider to help them through this process. Right, we, we get asked oftentimes to help uh, answer those questionnaires coming in from the, from the underwriters do we do we do this? Do yeah, and, and I Many have. Times they don't even course, know. They just know that we're there I protecting the environment. Started in the insurance business thirty some so, years ago before uh, I started IT. Stanley, you have any thoughts? You haven't. You haven't um, so I, I've been yet. drawing a parallel in in terms of the type of insurance that kind of relate to cyber <laughs> at this point. But you know, it's just like the, for the industry first life insurance versus auto industry you know auto insurance auto in the insurance is because it's a must-have life insurance is an option and it used to be cyber insurance it's kind of like a life insurance policy yeah it's great you have it and now you don't have a choice and it related to i know that jacob you had educate me on that is you know like the dno policies the director operation or eno policy those type of that has a you know condition that relates to how you're managing cyber risk otherwise you won't even get the dno or eno policies so it, it, it is getting to the point that it's a must-have for the business for most of the business now the point that we are trying to talk about is the stewardship and we've been working together with different type of expertise in how to mitigate the enterprise risk. And then jump to what you said earlier, Jake, the last line of defense and leveraging the insurance policy as the last line of defense. And that brings the question to me from, okay, from the decision making what type of insurance policy I should buy as a business how do you educate people on that to the point that the stewardship along the journey that how can we get all the stakeholders to collaborate in this stewardship to make sure the enterprise are have this risk mitigations management process in place that satisfy now it becomes a almost become a must-have 
insurance policy? I know that's a lengthy question. <laughs> no, and, and, and you're right on that. And, and it is becoming requirements. Before it was just, hey, we need to see your general liability and the workers' compensation in case anyone were to get hurt. But now it's, well, you're holding on to our intangible assets. You have, whether it's social security numbers or health records or any type of personally identifiable information to the business or the employees of the business. And it's, no, we need to see that you have $1 million in limits, $3 million in limits, $5 million, depending on the contract. And especially once you start getting into government work and government contracting, they have extremely strict requirements now. And as a business, it's, it's a learning curve and it's an understanding of, okay, this is a coverage that we now need to have. And it is the educational piece and it's the asking questions and making sure that everyone's on the same page. Because more often than not, a business might think that everything is protected, but when you really look into them and discuss incident response plans and <laughs> continuity plans to keep revenue streams going, then it starts to scare people because you're saying, okay, what would happen if my business was down for two weeks? How is that affecting my current revenue stream? And then how is it also affecting the revenue in the future, whether it's a client that I had and they're lost or a client that wanted to do work with me and I'm unable to obtain them because we can't use certain measures or certain protocols that we have, whether it's manufacturing or shipping things. And well, I'm sure we'll touch on it a little later, but until you've seen or felt a claim scenario from a friend or another business owner or even in the news it's that light bulb that goes off that says okay we've dodged the bullets and, for and long you enough on the point that now we need to understand to what our risk truly helping, is and it's hard yeah, to see our customers an intangible asset always policy. until you really One sit down and go through all that well you must have resegregated backup copy that is not online and, you know, our audience, if they have been with us long enough, they already know that this is the first thing that we talk about in back, what, two years ago? And then it's like, oh, my goodness, now it becomes a, a must-have requirement in order to satisfy the yeah. cyber insurance, even to start the application process. If you don't have that, yeah. don't even talk to us about it. And we've been educating and telling our audience about this two years ago. So great, now that is actually forcing, for us it's like, oh, we don't have to repeat ourselves again and again and again. <laughs> uh, but I think the point I'm trying to make in, in that is now that stewardship <laughs> is a partner that between insurance company, <laughs> underwriters, IT, cybersecurity, <laughs> compliance risk management, and including the business executive, to have these conversations and really look at, you know, what we've been saying, the three steps to care, you know, discovery, you know, known the unknowns, you know, put the building block so you have time to correct it. And it's not just a benefit to getting them into an insurance policy, but it's a benefit for their company itself as a whole, because then they, be, they can be more competitive. That's the way that we look at it. Would you agree?
No, absolutely. And I think that's a great point. It's thankfully the insurance industry is reacting to some of the changes that have happened, whether it's ransomware as a service or business email compromises or any type of invoice manipulation is now causing businesses to say, okay, what do we need to do to not let this happen to us? As well as when they go through the insurance application, they realize that being able to check yes isn't just a check a box so that I can get a piece of paper and say I have insurance. It's no, I'm, I'm more protected and working with your agent, working with the underwriters as well as the IT provider. And it really is one team and working together to create that strong cyber environment. And a lot of the insurance providers now are also giving employee trainings because these are the types of things that if as an insurance underwriter, you're giving, giving for free, I put my fingers up because <laughs> you're paying a premium for the policy. But once you're a policyholder, of course we want to give you employee training so that you're better protected that's, that's as well as another, us as yeah. the insurer is going to be better protected as well because we know that you've gone through certain things. Whether or not everyone's paying attention the whole time, that's a bit of a different story. But we're trying and we're doing- Yeah, Stanley and I have talked about before. We, we've done lunch and learns for clients and it's the one thing we focus on is teach them, educate them about cybersecurity, but put it in perspective for themselves, their own bank accounts, their own money, their own data, their own information that they want to keep protected. What do they do? Well, if they start doing that for themselves, they'll bring those habits well, and my, practices my into perspective work too. In going back into but there's your still point, a lot of things Jake, that people now that you do buy the insurance, you we're get all the human, training. We make mistakes, and that's it, why it's up still to until last year. <laughs> cause a cyber when you buy education, buy training, error? we give you the insurance policy. <laughs> I mean, that's how how crazy you know how fast the industry yeah. has changed just within the last two three years. And back then we said, well, you know, if you do it, we'll give you the policy to encourage our customers to get into the awareness yep. training. And now it's completely the other way around. And that's we keep educating the, like our client. Hey, look, you know, you can't look at IT as like a janitorial services. <laughs> You gotta be. It has to be part of the strategic, you know, boardroom discussions nowadays. Because otherwise, you know, the board <laughs> of directors or the C level, they're gonna be personal liable yeah. for it. Yeah. Right, right. And to your point, Stanley, it's not just the trainings, but it's also meeting with everyone and understanding and something I'm always discussing to my clients is I create the cyber incident response plan for them is making sure that every employee realizes to Sean's point that just because this isn't your data, this is very important data. It's our client's information or even our business's information that you're sharing. And what I always tell is if you don't raise your hand as an endpoint user because you think that an issue might have been your fault or maybe you want to hide something and, and because you were doing some type of online shopping or wasn't paying attention when an email came in and clicked a wrong link or sent an invoice to the wrong person, if you don't raise that hand, you're just going to cause right. more issues for the business right. and for yourself. And really talking these things through and getting everyone on the same page that 
yeah, issues are bad, but they're even worse if we don't know about them. Yeah, Stanley's brought up a couple times, you know, there's more of a trend now with making the board uh, and the directors of the company liable personally for cyber breaches if they were to occur. And people have had, companies have had DNO policies, director and officer policies in the past. Is cyber liability starting to go hand in hand with a DNO policy? Yes, they, they definitely are heading in that direction of going hand in hand, directors and officers and cyber insurance. And not many people are realizing that or executives are truly understanding that if you're not doing the cybersecurity protocols, that whether it's a local, state or federal guideline, and if you're going down the path of not really caring about your cyber environment and then potentially leading to claims that could shut down your business or other businesses that you do work with, then absolutely it can be carved back to the D's and O's for being negligent in the way that they've been doing these things and not putting a cyber insurance policy in place or not doing the cybersecurity protocols that even their in-house IT providers or external IT have been preaching to them for years and years and years because, oh, it's a cost thing or we're not ready right now because we're, we need to focus on other areas of the business because a business as a business owner, it's hard to wear all those hats, but that's why you need to have people that you trust and listen to for cybersecurity as well as all other assets. It's good. You know, I kind of preach our own here, but it's good to have a, a, a cybersecurity partner that looks at the business objectives and crafts a cybersecurity plan that meets those objectives uh, and the resources the company has available as opposed to saying, here's the solution, you got to put this in place, and it may be overbuilt than what you need for the business. So, so Jake, you know, as, as an executive of business before, um, I had the, the inauspicious um, results of being through three different ransomware attacks myself. Now, I didn't have any claims because they could never convince me to buy a cyber liability policy when I was running the business. But have you been through the process of a client being a victim of a cyber attack and you walking them through a claim? And if so, what's that been like? Yeah. So to answer that question about the claim, um, I have dealt with multiple different types of claims, and this was really, most of them were prior to COVID. So prior to that period where every cyber insurance carrier sat down and said, why did we go to one to two page applications? These need to be three, four, five pages. So we actually know what they're doing. It's not just, hey, do you have MFA? Yes or no? It's, okay, well, what types of MFA do you have and where is it on your um on your servers or external providers. So to answer the claim question of that, uh, during COVID, we had a client um, that was sent an email from someone that they send uh, weekly, actually it was bi-weekly payments. So bi-weekly payments they send, it's someone they've been doing business with for years. And on a random Tuesday, uh, an email was sent to our insured and it along, was along the lines of, hey, because of COVID uh, and more people being out of the office, we recently have changed banks and we're using a different bank now because of X, Y, and Z reason. And so now 
our client coming from someone that they do a lot of business with says, okay, of course we'll send it to the <laughs> new bank rather than picking up the phone and verifying who it was or having those security measures in place in paper showing the documentation that you've gone through these things. And it wasn't until four payments later wow. that the actual provider followed up and said, hey, miss or mister, you guys are always on time for your payments. We haven't received it in four separate payments, so two months worth. And of course the person and controller sending the money is sitting there <laughs> saying, yes, I have sent you the money. And not only have I sent it, but I've sent it all four times. And that's when the phone was, call was made to us and we realized, okay, uh, there was a business email yep. compromise, not even from our insured, but from our insured's client. And then they're liable for, well, did you not do it the correct way or where was the money sent? And then we have to work with our insurance company to go through the forensic process of how did this happen? And it is the tough questions of, well, did you talk with anyone or why didn't you do certain things that we had discussed previously? Um, and, and it was a, a tough pill to swallow for that client. But now that they're through it and thankfully they have the assets to get them through it, they're in a much better place now because they have all these measures in place. We've gone through and created all new documentation for them. But it's little things like that that could have potentially been happening to businesses all right. over the U.S. throughout this time, especially with COVID. I go back to that. Everyone was going from an office to now we're all over the place, whether I'm in Illinois or I'm in California or I'm just on vacation with my family working for two weeks and, and that's fine and that's the new normal and I, I'm all for the way that the world is going but it's we need to make sure that we're documenting and going through everything with our companies just to make sure that you have all these measures in place because it's as simple as that where a couple hundred thousand dollars can be sent out the door. Yeah, we had a client that... Uh, our client had a customer and the customer received an email supposedly from our client about a payment of $40,000. And the email uh, was crafted and written in such a way that it sounded exactly like it was coming from our client. And the customer sent the money and uh, $40,000 and it never made it. So our client called them and said, hey, where's the money? And they said, we sent it. <laughs> And they threatened to, you know, they were threatening to suit to our client and all this kind of stuff. We had to prove that it didn't come from our client, but the, the attackers were apparently sitting in the customer's network, having watched the email communications to have been able to craft the email from our client exactly the way they would have sent it to change the banking routing information. So. And, and it's crazy how, how sophisticated yeah. the cyber criminals are that, that not only will they get into your system and sometimes before a couple of years ago, once they're in, they're in, they're going to start running around and stealing what they can. But now they're almost more creative in that. Let me sit and watch how they do their business. Let me look at the emails, the way they send them. Let me look at their calendar to see when people are on vacation yeah. that make very important decisions and where I can strike. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you saw the large uh, claim that went on with, uh, the Los yep. Angeles school district yep. the the weekend before and Labor Day, right? It's it's not the times that we never want a cyber claim to happen, of course, but it's always the least convenient times, whether it's over the winter holidays or Thanksgiving or Fourth of July or when you're sitting out at the lake house <laughs> or on the beach and, okay, now, now we have a ransomware claim. It's But it is this, the scary thing of how sophisticated they are, and that's why having a partnership 
with your IT provider, with the insurance company that you're written through, as well as your agent, um, yeah. is extremely important. So, not that we're here to uh, necessarily sell cybersecurity or insurance today, but you know there is a there is a cycle we were talking about the other day uh, that sort of improves a business uh, and a, the health of business, the cyber resilience of a business, if they can manage this sort of cycle uh, effectively in that strategic planning between a, uh, an agent like yourself and, a, and an IT or cybersecurity provider where the premium savings, certain security measures are put in place to reduce the premiums, put those savings back into security, improve yourself, improve the resilience of the business, reduces the premiums in the long run. And that cycle of how do we reduce premiums, invest in the right area to make the business safer, to reduce the premiums, become less of a risk. How do you see that playing out, particularly for a small business to a medium-sized business? How do you see that playing out in an effective manner? For small to mid-sized businesses, it's, it's obviously tougher in the aspect of how do I want to spend my money and how am I able to spend my money? And you're right. It, the insurance piece has gotten expensive recently. Costs have gone up 200%, 300% for some industries. And that's not always the fault of certain clients, but because some of the manufacturers and some of the construction companies that were wiring such large sums of money were hit with these claims because of the bad protocols that they had, well, now the rest of the manufacturing and construction industry hurts from that. But to your point, Sean, yes, we, we can help our clients lower our premiums. And it might not be a year one, year two thing, but years three, four, and five, as we're showing the cybersecurity protocols that we have that we're increasing the way that we're doing certain things, whether it's at first we only had multi-factor authentication for uh, certain users' emails. Now it's for everyone. Now it's for all of the different providers that we're using, third-party providers we're utilizing. It's, it's showing that we're changing. And then kind of like what Stanley and I have been touching on, the employee trainings. We do quarterly trainings or monthly trainings and documenting that and proving why you're a good client for them and how you're going to help them be profitable. Because nobody wants to have a claim, but you can only do what you've taught your employees to do. And so kind of getting that curve to go up or hopefully the insurance costs can go down, then you can continue to reinvest more money in your cybersecurity. Because as we constantly are talking about is that this industry is changing every single day. Whether we like it or not, there's new, new ways for hackers to get in. They find different vulnerabilities, different software patches that haven't been closed up. Um, so it is, how do we partner, we, the insured agents and IT uh, providers, to work together to lower those costs by showing that we are doing the remedial measures and we are putting these things in place. And so I hope as we get through this kind of harder market of the insurance piece that cyber insurance will enter a little bit of an easier phase, maybe here in 2023, going on to 24 and 25, um, as clients are able to prove to their insurance companies that they're able to be with them for multiple years sure. and not having these claims that, that Stanley, you were working with uh, somebody the other day with insurance and, and working with them to be able to show their carrier the level of security that they have 
and how they've been able to maintain that level of security, trying to get that premium level yeah, down. Yeah, and, and, and basically, what was just, it that you, that we were doing? And of course, Jake can speak the a lot more about the show the underwriter that they are. But I'm just I'm talking about more on the general operation of IT cybersecurity and governance side of things, and it's just better hygiene. It's simply exactly like what the doctor yeah, have yeah. been telling us. Have you been, you know, exercising? How is your diet? There is no difference in in terms of the analogy to IT, how you're managing it. You know, the educational pieces of it. You know how uh, how the how the management enforcing their staff to follow these type of cyber hygienes to get the organization to get to the point, those data that we've been capturing to reflect it on a real-time basis that we are doing all the measures in the company to mitigate this po- these type of potential risk. So, you know, you, you guys touch on the BEC, business email compromise. And, you know, last year, the statistics already showing there is a, uh, now it's been working because of the awareness, the, stu- the, the um, training, awareness training mm-hmm. is paying off because now is less of those BEC, but it doesn't mean that there's less of the cyber attack because Jake, you already said that they have now new creative way to find out how do you hack into any type of infrastructure. But the key thing is how we demonstrating the everyday operational data <laughs> being reflected back to the insurance company so they can see, ah, okay, you guys are doing the right thing on a daily basis. So let us reconsider whether we can find you a better policies or maybe they, you know, like Jake has said, in the coming years or coming months that we can lower the premium. Yeah. Right. And and kind of to touch on that point too, Stanley, it's the repetition and people view kind of this phrase in a bad way is that frequency leads to severity. But if the frequency that we're doing is positive things, then it's going to lead to a positively <laughs> severe business. I know it's a backwards way to look at it, but if you have a bunch of little frequency issues, then there's going to be a major issue and it's going to be right. severe. And then how to demonstrate so that kind of by tracking flipping this the script and looking at it from a different perspective hey, and understanding, we got a good track oh, rather than that, a bunch you know, of little bad there things are so happening, many tools in the market we do a bunch of really small good to things, it's going to lead to a great... Data and put it together as a, what we call the risk trending analysis to actually demonstrate how, what kind of cyber hygiene. It's just like tracking you know, your blood pressure. Back then, you have to go to the doctors to do it. Now, you can do it every day, You know, put it on the, one of the Fitbits or smartwatch and track all those kind of thing. And it's the same thing, right? It's you know because of the technology yeah. helping with doing all these type of cyber hygiene or personal hygiene a lot more easier <laughs> to making sure we have this, this, this you know all this data to reflect what we're doing in the past so we hopefully that you know the insurance industry will recognize that and reduce the premium based on the case by case basis Yeah, the insurance, you know, trend, trends mean something. 
And so we try to be able to show clients an improving trend. They're becoming more cyber resilient. They're more secure. And showing that information to the cyber insurance carrier certainly helps them consider lowering that premium uh, and maybe at some higher limits. Jake, we, we talk oftentimes uh, with customers and try to show them that cybersecurity doesn't need to be terribly expensive. There are some very inexpensive, relatively inexpensive things to do. Uh, some things are free. Uh, and we try to show them how they can do that. In many cases, we end up managing it because it's easier for us to manage because we know what we're doing. But what are some things that a small business owner or a founder might be able to do uh, for themselves to lower that premium from your perspective? What three things could they do to kind of lower the premium themselves? Three things that they can do um, are some of the pieces that I've touched on earlier in this discussion, and I'll lead it with employee trainings. So as we know, endpoint users are the number one ways that claims happen. You can have all the cybersecurity measures in place but if somebody clicks a link or isn't paying attention to an email that could be compromised, your business could be at fault for that. The second, I would say, is documentation. And within that documentation, it is showing that you're doing these employee trainings, creating continuity plans and cyber incident response plans. And the way I like to explain it to a lot of my smaller and mid-sized clients is, if everyone in your office was in today, if there was a fire, do they know where to go? And of course they know where to go. They're going to follow the exit signs and they're going to get out of the building as it's on fire. But if a computer is on fire, meaning a claim, a ransomware, any type of issue, right. do they know where to go? And, and so making sure that everyone's on the same page at the business um, is truly crucial and, and it's very important and, and a key piece to keeping that revenue stream going. And it doesn't cost you know, a lot of money. People think that right. policies and, and procedures and, to come up with this stuff are difficult to do. But I always point back, you've got hiring policies and procedures. You've got employment policies and procedures. You, you have things written down for your employees to do. You have it in a handbook. And to kind of replicate that for other parts of your business is not terribly difficult. Just sit down with the team and talk it through. Somebody write it down. Absolutely. No, that, and that's a great point. Um, and I guess the third one that I would look to is similar to the employee trainings. It's, it's education, educating yourself, educating the rest of the employees at the company, whether it's through webinars that you're able to do, watching the news, reading articles, and reaching out to friends that are in the space, whether it's a friend that's in IT or a friend that specializes in cyber insurance or an underwriter. I mean, there's so many people today that are involved in that tech space that it's just like anything else in the world. Ask a friend and, and see how what they know and how they can help you. Because until you open that conversation up and educate yourself, how are you really to know uh, exactly yeah. what someone else's right. knowledge Great is? Great information the there, Jake. Well, if uh, Jake, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate your time and, and your information and your insight into the industry. Stanley, thank you for for chiming in today. If uh, any of the listeners want to become a friend of Jake's, 
<clears throat> to try to get some of that information from him, you can find him on LinkedIn, uh, Jake Charen, C-H-A-R-E-N. He's a commercial risk architect with Lakeside Insurance. I'm sure he'd be happy to have a conversation with you if you have any questions about cybersecurity. Just general questions. Happy to give you free Thank advice, you, free information. You, you can contact us at netswitch.net. Again, I'm Sean Mahoney with NetSwitch. I appreciate you listening this week. Hope you listen next time. Thank you. Thanks, guys. 